The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue Podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Sean Smith. The evolution of audience consumption habits, waning ad revenue, and cost structure pressures are challenges for traditional broadcast mediums, no doubt. But with every challenge comes opportunity. Troy Reeb is Senior Vice President of Global News and Chorus Radio. And in February, the company announced major restructuring in a shift that will see online coverage boosted in a move away from traditional TV production, among other moves. Troy, welcome to the podcast. It's a real pleasure. Thank you, Sean. Let's start by talking a little bit about the landscape for terrestrial radio and television right now. Now, what prompted Global and Chorus to decide to make this shift to a sustainable digital first model? Well, one of the things we're trying to do is uh, address just this, this constant evolution of viewer habits and uh, and I think any broadcaster that says their their priority is going to be on keeping people in the traditional ecosystem to try to prevent bleed to new ways of consumption that's a recipe for failure we have to be where the audience is going and if they're choosing to consume content in different ways uh, we have to actually help lead that not um, you know not be playing catch up behind the big Silicon Valley players so uh, that unfortunately doesn't line up with the place that most broadcasters have come from. I think uh, you know I talked to staff about how you know most of them when they went to college or university and uh, and they got into this business they were sort of in that well you're in uh, the broadcasting stream or you're mm-hmm. in the journalism stream or you're in the print journalism or you're in the digital stream. Well, there are no streams anymore. The whole thing's a floodplain, and uh, and what we have to do is to have content that is. Uh, relatively agnostic to uh, to the delivery mechanism, and that's a lot easier said than done. But but it has been the driving philosophy behind our digital first strategy that we're applying now across all of our local stations. Mm, it's an uh, and Herculean task uh, to be sure. How did you tackle beginning this change? Well, first off was to to say, look. Uh, at some point here, you can't ask people to, you can't ask one person to, uh, you know, do everything that you used to do to serve television and then also do all this new stuff to serve radio and then also do all this new stuff to serve online and mobile. That's a recipe for, uh, for breaking your employees and for seriously disengaging them. Um, but what you have to do is find the places where you can twist a release valve and uh, and allow your uh, your technical staff, allow your on-air talent to to compromise on something. And what we've said is the place we're willing to compromise is in the in the elements of the traditional production to really focus on what's most interesting first. And I'll and I'll use examples from our news organization, our head of uh, of online digital video, mm-hmm. uh, a guy named Kevin Buffett has done this really interesting exercise where we've cut down the traditional television news packages, you know, those minute and a half, two minute packages that are the mainstay of six o'clock newscasts on all networks. And, uh, and when you cut them down to actually the real core of the video that people need to watch, that's at the heart of the story, what you're usually looking at is kind of 10 to 15 seconds of really compelling action video. 
and maybe one or two clips of a really compelling newsmaker. The rest of it's kind of filler. It's walking shots of, uh, of interview subjects. It's, um, you know, street B-roll. Right. Uh, you know, there's, uh, um, and it's just stuff for reporters to talk over. And when, you, when it, you come right down to it, that stuff's not adding value to the audience, but it is adding resourcing and time to all the people who are putting the product together. So if we can start to cut out all of that ancillary stuff, Focus on what's of value to the consumer, which is the action video and the compelling newsmakers, and let the rest of it flow from the mouths of the reporter as opposed to being done in a packaged way. Then you get your staff out of the cars driving around town trying to get that second and third reaction clip. You get them out of the edit suites, and you get them making more product. It seems to me that that then would uh, challenge the very paradigms that we've been living for the last you know, 50 or 70 years uh, in terms of what, you know, an audience will want on a radio station or on a TV station. It seems to me like you might even put some radio on a, on a music state or some news on a, on a music station if it's done right. And absolutely. And I think we're, we're looking at shaking things up a little bit and, uh, and we're, we're experimenting in lots of locations. And, um, and I think because there's such a sea change, we've, we've taken a bit of a, uh, uh, you know, some organizations are risk adverse in this uh, environment. We've been taking all kinds of risks. We've uh, said, look, in the end, uh, the business is going to change whether we like it or not. And, uh, and the worst thing we can do is just to try to hold on to the way it's been done in the past. So, uh, so we are experimenting in lots of different ways. You know, oh, you know, in Lethbridge, in our little uh, global station in Lethbridge for a while, we went with anchoring everything from the field. Essentially, we would have the packages anchored. We would have news stories anchored by the reporters when they were there. They would sort of ad-lib what the story was, do really loose editing around it, and then we would stitch everything together into a, into a narrative for the audience. Again, to try to find ways where we can turn those release valves so that we can cut back on the, the demands of traditional production, not in the service of saving money necessarily, though sometimes there's that benefit, but mostly in the service of trying to redirect resources to the places where we know audience is growing, and that's in streaming platforms uh, like Radio Player, that is in online for sure. I'm super proud of how globalnews.ca has in, uh, in seven years gone from nothing to being the second largest uh, news website in the country. Um, uh, there's all these platforms where there's growth, and let's be frank, there's not growth, organic growth at least, in traditional television and radio. Right. Now, you talk about risk. I mean, corporations are, are usually risk averse to some degree. Um, did, were you able to sort of justify some of these moves by either analytics or ratings or uh, revenue? Like, what, how, how do you justify that up the, up the command? Well, it's interesting that, that the place we've been most aggressive is in the news space. Number one, I think news is, the, uh, is kind of the tip of the spear for consumption change because it is always on. Um, and, uh, and interestingly enough, in the Canadian uh, space, news has never been a moneymaker for any broadcaster. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have the number one newscast in television or if you're lucky enough to have the number one news talk radio station in the market, then sure, you're making money. But by and large, most of the competitors in the news space uh, – um, and most of the industry has traditionally looked at news as a bit of a tax on the organization, uh, on the industry overall. It's something you had to do to get the license to do everything else that you could make more money with. Well, when you're looked at in that vein, when, you're, when the original expectation wasn't to make money, it gives you more license to start to get out there and experiment with new ways 
And to be honest, in the new space, because of all those other reasons, we actually really have to get ourselves to a place where we have a standalone money-making news organization because uh, the way the industry is changing is tearing down the traditional subsidies that, that came to that came to television news. Television news used to be subsidized by primetime on most stations, and television news was subsidized, cross-subsidized by other more profitable channels than conventional television and some uh, broadcasters. And it was subsidized by the cable divisions or maybe the cell phone divisions mm-hmm. at, uh, at some of our competitors. Those supports are all tearing, are all being torn away because of the disintermediation of the industry. So it's actually forced us and at the same time, given us more permission to go out and do this kind of experimentation. Now, the detractors, uh, to you know, in the uh, in the world of uh, big media, uh, would say that uh, you know media companies uh, in Canada are uh, you know interested in doing less news than more news, and that's just the way it is. But in fact, you're adding journalism uh, to your mix. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? More frontline stuff. Yeah, thanks for asking. I mean, part of the reason that we've added more programming um, and uh, and added more journalists, to be quite frank, um, is because we've had to do that to adjust to the changing needs of, of the audience. Uh, everybody knows uh, that entertainment programming, by and large, dramas, comedies, are moving to an on-demand world. Uh, you, people want to watch the, sh- the shows of their choosing at the time of their choosing on the platform of their choosing. And when it comes to a drama or a comedy, that means you push a button and your show plays and maybe you binge watch it. On-demand viewing in the new space means on now because people don't can't choose, you know, uh, gee, I want to learn about uh, terrorism in Europe right now or I want to learn about federal politics. They just need to know the news. And that means they have to have a stream of news information that's delivered to them. And then when you're delivering those kinds of streams, you'll win on storytelling and you win on brand. So we've been trying to create, we've been trying to serve that uh, marketplace by creating an on-demand type of stream of news product. And uh, and that, uh, you know, the the leading edge of that is the product we call Global News Live, which is a beta product that really harvests all of our websites. It takes the stories and ranks them on the basis of locality. So if you're in uh, in Vancouver, you choose the local Global News Live BC stream, and it will serve you up stories based on uh, your location, based on recency, how recently they've been updated or added to the website, and basis of popularity, how popular are there amongst other users of the site. So an algorithm serves up the stories in video form, sometimes anchored, sometimes unanchored, but you get a constant stream of news, and that stream then gets interrupted by live events as they happen. If we have a live breaking event from Parliament Hill or something happening in Vancouver, um, then that's going to get served up and interrupt sort of the stream of news that's playing off the server. That's a rudimentary version of, I think, the way that all news uh, will be delivered in the future with some customization allowed by the, by the user. Um, but it's why we've been working hard to actually add additional hours in our schedule so that people don't have to make an appointment to get global news anymore. They can tune in in the morning, they can tune in the evening, they can turn in on weekends um, and always tap into that just ever-developing flow of information. Now, it's um, unfortunate that 
print publications uh, locally uh, all across the country are, are suffering. But there is an opportunity there for broadcast to capitalize on that, isn't there? For sure. And, and you know, when I talk about the traditional subsidies that go to the, uh, the news business and broadcast, well, guess what? The print industry had those subsidies as well. Um, yes, they didn't have profitable primetime programming that helped make it, uh, make it uh, them able to do news in their markets. But what they did have was cheap syndicated entertainment content. They had classified advertising. I mean, most newspapers in the grand scheme of things, other than the really big ones, they kind of knew they were going to lose money on their A section and maybe their B local section, but they were going to make it back on those uh, all the uh, auto advertising that came in the wheel section, uh, all of the entertainment uh, movie ads that came in the entertainment section where they didn't really employ local writers. They bought syndicated content really cheaply and filled up all those other sections with cheap content and lots of ads. So even at the print uh, on the print side, the model was subsidized. And of course, we know what's happened to classified advertising. We know about the availability of syndicated out-of-market content. Um, there's no monopoly for print publications on that anymore. So it's really crumbling their model even faster than what's uh, happened on the broadcast side. And because that's happened, we've been trying to find new ways to, um, uh, to come up with our own subsidies to support local news. And the way I describe it to our teams is, look, we understand that local news is expensive, that to go out and cover a story in, uh, in Saskatoon, uh, with e- even with a, you know, a combined crew of one digital broadcast journalist instead of the old you know, two-person crew, even to do that once, you can't monetize it across a very large audience as much as Saskatoon's a pretty good-sized city. It's not big enough to support that kind of content creation. So you're going to lose a little bit of money. Uh, when you post that to uh, to globalnews.ca, for instance, because you did that. But if you've got a robust enough site that by opening the front door in Saskatoon and having the doormat, the uh, you know the welcome mat, be that um, that strong local content, that's what gets them in the house. And once they're in the house, you can then show them around to the room where you've got great political content, where you've got great lifestyle content, you've got great entertainment features. You can let them watch some video. Well, maybe you lost money on clicks one and two, but not on clicks three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be the philosophy of how we start to cross-subsidize to create more local content and serve some of these markets that, um, that are losing their local voices from their newspapers. And it's why, as part of this most recent restructure, we're doing something pretty bold. And we're going to open new global news, local news bureaus in places where we don't have local news radio stations, and we don't have local television stations. There are markets we haven't really been in before. It includes Kitchener and Guelph and Barrie and Ottawa, where we have a parliamentary bureau, but we have no local station. And, um, and we're not taking total risk on that because we've got music radio stations in those markets. We've got a building to put these reporters in. But the idea is that we're going to have people that will go into those markets do the kind of accountability, real local community, meaningful journalism that they've come to expect in the past from newspapers. Um, And hopefully in doing so, we open four more big welcome front doors to bring people into the larger global news house. And by the time we show them around to rooms three, four, and five, we've turned them into successful customers. Mm -hmm. Now, from a brand perspective, you've done some bold things. For instance, the news talk radio stations online have been folded into the global uh, news brand. What's, What's the thinking there? Well, I think having a strong brand that's going to cut through is everything. We've all seen, um, we're seeing in great detail right now, the challenges of, uh, of information that comes at people fast and furious through social media. 
And as much as been, there's been lots of research done into the willingness of people to click on, uh, on untrusted links and absorb fake news, and there's lots of fake news flying around or news that's simply opinion masquerading as news. Because of all of that, the value of having a, a trusted brand that's well-known, has lots of reach and cuts through, is more important than ever. And, um, and it's why we've worked hard to bring the traditional chorus news talk heritage radio stations under the larger global news umbrella to give some additional, number one, to give some additional reporting power to those stations, which had evolved more into talk stations than news stations. Um, and also to attach the reporting of those stations to the larger news brand. Yes, we get some, uh, some synergy out of it, so we've gotten some cost savings, but more importantly, we've breathed new life into some of these AM radio brands by, uh, by hitching them to what is a much larger national and even international credible uh, news organization. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll give you one example. I talked earlier about um, how you know, the, we don't have the separate stream, streams everymore. Everything's become a floodplain. Right. We decided in, in a couple of markets, uh, Vancouver and Calgary, that we're going to start to run our 6 o'clock signature news hour from television simulcasted on radio. And people kind of said, oh, you're just doing that to save money. Um, well, those are signature programs that a lot of investment goes into, and there's a lot of people who want to watch those shows who are trapped in their cars still trying to get home at that hour. Mm -hmm. We have improved the ratings vastly. In Vancouver, we jumped four ranker points simply by simulcasting our signature 6 o'clock newscast uh, on CKNW. And, uh, and believe me, we didn't just do it willy-nilly. We went and we actually got Chris Galis and the rest of the anchor team, uh, Sophie Louie and the rest of the anchor team at, uh, at Global BC to sit down and think about how that show plays out, not just to people watching it, but to people listening to it. So we change some of the writing, we change some of the language, we get more descriptive in some of the intros so we can paint a picture for the listener, not just the viewer. And it's paying off big time. Maybe that's why, you know, the, that experiment, which has been tried many times over the years in different markets, uh, wasn't successful as they didn't really, they looked at it as a simulcast rather than a, uh, um, an integrated sort of presentation in audio and, and video. Well, that's what we were afraid of, right? It's um, if we just simulcast this thing, is it just going to fall flat in its face? So we spent quite a bit of time saying, how do we turn, forget about the fact that, that the Global BC News Hour is a juggernaut on television. How do we also turn it into a good radio show? And, uh, and that took a fair bit of work and a fair bit of coaching by our great um, uh, CKNW program director, Larry Gifford, uh, with our television talents so that we could make uh, a great radio show out of a great TV show. Mm -hmm. Now, look, nobody uh, likes to talk about job loss, but inevitably, with uh, the changes in you know audience consumption and, and revenue challenges, there have to be cost structure changes uh, as well. And I don't know that necessarily a, any sort of net job loss at uh, Chorus or um, uh, Global uh, was, was driven by cost necessarily, but, you know, it, it is the reality. Um, but what's happened is there's... Also, with the loss, there's also 50 new positions or perhaps more. What do the new occupants of those positions look like from a you know, skills uh, and education perspective in uh, 2018? First off, before answering that, I'm, I'm going to give lots of credit to the company I work for, Chorus, for, um, for letting us continue to experiment in this space. There is no doubt uh, to, the, to the lead into your question that all of us in the traditional media sector have to be 
laser focused on cost. Uh, the fact is that revenues and audiences on the traditional media are not what they once were. So uh, it's true, we have to take cost out. And part of our exercise was taking cost out. We eliminated more than 80 positions. And and with many media companies, that's where the period would be on the sentence. Right. It'd be full stop, they eliminated positions. What we did was uh, work really hard to say, where are the places where we've got growth? And where are the places where we have potential growth? And how can we take some of those, uh, some of that headcount and bring it back into the places where, where we can continue to grow as a business? So as you mentioned, we've we posted more than 50 new roles. And about half of those are kind of the job combination type roles where, you know, uh, traditional uh, photographer and reporter uh, positions have gone away and they've been replaced with, you know, a combined digital broadcast journalist type of role. Right. And the other half... Um, uh, about 30 of the new roles are truly in, in experimental areas. It's interesting. We're on a podcast right now because we've launched a new podcasting unit. Um, uh, and there's four roles that are going to be tied to that. And because, because for the longest time, as much as podcasts have been growing in popularity, the monetization opportunities on them were pretty thin. Now, with the advent of uh, digital ad insertion for audio, um, we think there's a real opportunity to build a business, uh, a real P&L out of a podcasting unit. And so we're going to work with our internal talent. We're going to work with shows that we already make for radio, shows that we already make for TV, and convert them to this format, podcasting, um, with, some, with some advertising, uh, both uh, traditional advertising as well as uh, in-show advertising, uh, host reads, um, to help turn that into a business. So that's one area where we're, uh, where we're investing for growth. Uh, I already referenced uh, the new native digital um, uh, news bureaus that we're opening in four Ontario cities, which is a particular opportunity for Chorus, uh, because uh, when you look at global, really the, the history of global in Ontario was one television station to serve the entire province. So it, global Toronto couldn't have much of a local impact in and the other large population centers in the city. So we think there's a real opportunity for us to grow into the areas that have traditionally been dominated by CTV, Tour Star, Post Media. Um, uh, and then the other one that we're really focused on is, is developing an international strategy. When it comes to the news space, there are lots of uh, Canadians who read the New York Times, who may read The Guardian, The Daily Mail, CNN. Uh, there's lots of foreign news brands reaching into our territory, and we say that there's absolutely no reason we can't start to reach into their territory. And while Global News is a relatively small brand compared to those guys I just mentioned, by specifically targeting certain audiences in certain areas, we think we can start to develop real audience outside the country and um, and through the use of internet advertising, um, uh, build you know pretty robust audiences in uh, in foreign markets. And just as an example, I, I talked to staff about maybe there's an audience in the Philippines where there's 10 million English speakers, um, and if we target that audience, you know that hasn't been fully developed by a New York Times or a CNN, and and it doesn't take a lot of audience development work to to serve up lots of the great we we have lots of great international content, lots of great feature content. There's no reason that that global news brand couldn't be meaningful in that market, or maybe in California, where people tend to think a little bit like Canadians. Um, there's lots of opportunity outside of our borders because, in the end, we have great content. Uh, we've got really credible journalism, and uh, and there's nothing stopping more people than just our traditional audiences from engaging with it. It truly is a very, very interesting and uh, exciting time to be in media, and there's a world of possibilities out there, huh? 
Yeah, there truly is. One thing I'm really encouraged by is, um, and I speak to um, to uh, journalism students in particular uh, fairly often, and I'm amazed to continue to see, with, despite all of the doom and gloom that people hear about traditional media, I, I'm amazed to see the continued enthusiasm for coming into this business, for telling stories, for wanting to be powerful video story creators, powerful audio story creators. Um, there's something seducing about the, about the mediums themselves. And, uh, and as long as we can continue to tap into that youthful passion and energy and desire to tell this country stories and serve its communities, I, I think that we'll be able to ride out whatever Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and Apple can throw at us. I really appreciate you sharing some of your experience today. And um, I, I'm sure that uh, the readers will really, really uh, take a lot away from the conversation. So I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Troy. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Troy Reeb is Senior Vice President of Global News and Chorus Radio. He joined us from Toronto. I'm Sean Smith. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.